Welcome, brothers and sisters, to another podcast from the 12 Tribes of Israel congregation. Thank you for visiting our sites, which are 12t.co or risers.com. If you would like to contact us, you could call us at our toll-free number, which is 888-447-1695. You can email us also at scribe at risersisrael.com. Today's topic is going to be called the church. And the reason we're going over this topic is because when you read the Bible, the church is different from what is taught in churchianity. And this is a word that we use a lot in our reports, sometimes in the audio lessons. And what is churchianity? Churchianity is the modern Christianity where our people think of the church being a location where they will find the Bible, prayer, teachings. But in fact, when you read the Bible, when you read the scriptures, the definition of the church is completely different from what is taught in modern Christianity, from what our people believe. So if you come across a brother and sister that hears about the truth and they obviously going to find it interesting because they have never heard what is really in the scriptures, the first thing that comes out of their mouth is usually like, what church you go to? Or they say, um, you know, I, I, I want to I visit your church. I want to go to your church. So they think of the church as first and foremost, a physical location. Christ, he was not focusing on a physical location. He was focusing on the people. A lot of times he was teaching multitudes by the seaside, in the streets. They went from village to village to towns. Sometimes, of course, they met in physical locations, and the Bible does speak about those. But when the Mosai considers his church, he is speaking of the nation of Israel. So we're going to cover that real quickly with you, how the Heavenly Father is not really focused on physical location. He's more focused on the people, the nation of Israel, you so-called blacks, Hispanics, and Native American Indians. And especially now with covid you know, with COVID, you have now this situation where you cannot be in the gathering that is big because of the fact that people are getting sick because of they don't know the laws of the Most High or they don't know the scriptures that give guidance on how to deal with these type of pandemics and how to deal with these situ- this situations. We also get a lot of calls from people that say, you know, where's your location? Where's this? And we used to have a location. It has been like now, like maybe two years or three where we no longer have that location, we have been meeting in public places. And it has been a blessing because, first and foremost, it's given us the opportunity to save up so that we could get our own location, something that we could own instead of renting. But at the same time, it kind of sifts out some people. And the reason when I say sifts out some people because is either you want to hear the truth or not. Sometimes we get calls from people and we tell them, oh, we're meeting in this public place. And some people are like, what? Yeah, I don't. Like, that's not a church. Oh, I'm not going there. Oh, I can't hear the scriptures that way. So it's a blessing in disguise. You know, we haven't been paying rent for a minute now. And of course, we do meet up just like the scriptures tells us to, to have fellowship, to have companionship, to have, you know, the the camaraderie that's supposed to be among each other. But when you read the scriptures, what is the church is the question. So we're going to go to the book of Acts chapter 7 to find out the answer to this. So we're going to Acts chapter 7, 
And let's start at verse 35 so we can learn a little bit of history. In Acts chapter 7, verse 35, it says, This Moses, whom they refused, saying, Who made thee ruler and a judge? The same that God sent to be a ruler and a deliverer, meaning a savior to our people. So Moses, when he first found out that he was Israel because he thought he was an Egyptian, he saw two brothers basically arguing and fighting amongst each other. And he said, hold, 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 hold on. Why are y'all fighting amongst each other? Y'all brothers. And instead of them appreciating the, the fact that he was trying to create peace, they spoke reproachfully to him. They spoke, yo, who made you a leader? And didn't realize that the Most High was setting up Moses as their leader in the future. That Moses had the right spirit. It says here, by the hand of the angel which appeared to him in the bush, the Most High sent an angel to reveal to Moses the purpose of why he was born and the prophecies about us coming out of Egypt, coming out of slavery. So it says here in verse 36, he brought them out after that he had showed wonders and signs in the land of Egypt. Who's the he that he brought out? It's going to tell us the nation of Israel was saved from slavery by the help of Moses, who was sent by the Most High. The angel came and told Moses, look, I hear my people suffering in Egypt. I see their prayers. I see, you know, that they are seeking me. I want you to go and help deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians. And the Most High did that by signs. What do I mean by signs? Plagues. Just like the same thing will happen in the last days. Plagues are going to come. Judgments are going to come from the Heavenly Father. And some people are not going to realize that that's what it is. Just like Pharaoh, by being hardened in his mind, he was not able to see that all the things that was happening was by God. You're going to have people in this time period that's going to be the same way. They're not going to realize that the Heavenly Father is moving the nation of Israel to come back to him. And that the prophecies are being fulfilled. So as we read on, it says here, signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea, and in the wilderness for 40 years. So the children of Israel, they did not inherit land immediately. They had to wait for 40 years in the wilderness before they could enter the promised land. And the reason why is because, first of all, they had to learn how to serve God. And while they were learning how to serve God, many of them were being wicked. They did not want to follow his commandments, even though he saved them. Some of them even spoke against the, the deliverance that they were given. Some of them wanted to return back to slavery. So the same thing is going to happen in this time period as well, where you're going to have some of our people going to hear about the truth and refuse it. They're going to reject it. Because of that, you're going to have people that fall off, people that come in and are not sincere. You have people that know that they're Israel. Like there's celebrities that they know they're Israel, and then now some of them are speaking up about it. But they've been known about that for years, yet they were putting money and careers and fame as their priority. And as you can see, they're not really keeping the commandments. So it's not that claiming that you Israel is going to get you salvation. Being sincere in this truth, loving the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind, that's what the Lord requires for every Israelite. So once you learn you Israel... You got to make a change to fit the role of that name, a prince of God. You got to walk according to the commandments, walk in the footsteps of Christ. So far, we know that the children of Israel were slaves in Egypt. 
And that alone shows that the Israelites cannot be so-called white people because Egypt is in Africa. Moses was being confused for an African, an Egyptian, all right? You got white supremacists out there trying to claim that the Egyptians were white people. No, no, they're not. The Egyptians, the original Egyptians, they left a whole bunch of hieroglyphs and a whole bunch of um, artifacts and archaeology behind that shows that they were dark-skinned people with woolly hair and that we resembled them because the nation of Israel was also a dark-skinned nation. The people in Egypt today are Arabs. The majority of them that are ruling are Arabs that took over Egypt way after the death of Christ. These are changes that happened that the Bible even prophesied about that our people don't know. When they look at an Egyptian today, a person say, oh, I'm Egyptian. No, they're really most likely an Arab unless they are, you know, of the indigenous people that were pushed out by the Arabs. So anyway, let's get back to what we were reading. Verse 37 says, this is that Moses, which said unto the children of Israel, because this is the point, which said to the children of Israel, don't forget that, a prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren. That prophet that he's speaking of is Christ. Christ was going to be one of us. That's what the Bible is letting you know. He was going to be like me and you, one of us. That's why his death was under the hands of an oppressor. Just like many of our people are dying in the hands of oppressors. The only difference is that Christ was perfect and his death had purpose. His death was for the salvation of our people to, to liberate us from the slavery that first comes from the mind, the mental slavery, the spiritual slavery. And then later on, we're going to be freed from physical slavery. And I'm not only talking about shackles. I'm not only talking about this society and this Babylon, but I'm talking about from death, period. We're going to be transformed, given eternal life, just like he was given eternal life. The Most High told us about Christ through Moses. And here it is that in the churches they teach, don't listen to Moses. When Moses was the first one to teach us about Christ, gave us prophecies about Christ, and Moses was faithful in all the house of the Lord, the Bible says. Moses believed in Christ more than we do, okay? Because when you think about it, Moses gave up riches. He was a prince. Moses gave up power and suffered with the slaves instead of choosing the riches that he could have enjoyed from being raised by Pharaoh's daughter. That man was a great man. How do you give up everything that you have, everything that you have known, and decide that you're going to be with your people suffering in slavery within few years of him knowing who he was, not even being so educated in his own language and everything like that, he was able to serve the Lord and be an example to the nation of Israel, be the middleman between us and the heavenly father. And this is what Moses is trying to tell him. He said, like unto me, him shall ye hear. If we don't listen to Moses, that means we don't listen to Christ either. See, Christ is modeled after the role that Moses did. What did Moses do for us? 
when we heard the Ten Commandments from the Lord, we said, no, 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 no. His voice is too terrible. He's going to kill us all. You, Moses, speak to us. So here it is that the Most High said, what they said is right. So the Heavenly Father predicted in the future that he was going to give us a mediator, a middleman, someone that will speak on our behalf. We send up prayers. Sometimes we don't even know how to properly pray. And Christ cleans it, <laughs> you know, and he makes it what? Something that the Heavenly Father will hear because it's just like a lawyer going to a judge. And the same way for us, for us to get the message from the Heavenly Father, it comes through Christ. For you to get the Holy Spirit, you got to believe in Christ. So far, we're talking about the nation of Israel being in the wilderness, being taught about Christ, being taught the commandments, because this is a law in Deuteronomy 18, teaching us to obey Christ. It says here in verse 38, this is he that was in the church in the wilderness, that was in the church in the wilderness. Now, mind you, when they came out of Egypt, they had no physical location to meet. They were meeting where? In the wilderness. Eventually, they built a tabernacle. And even that tabernacle was not really for the purpose of them to sit down and go over scriptures and meet because the tabernacle, there were certain areas they couldn't enter that was only for the priests. Certain areas were for the purpose of housing the Ark of the Covenant, where the Ten Commandments was basically kept in. Certain parts were holy that only the sons of Aaron or Aaron himself could go into. And then you have areas of the tabernacle where the sacrifices were being done. When it says here church, it's talking about the people. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel which spake to him in Mount Sinai. And with our fathers who received lively, lively oracles to give unto us. Meaning these words are lively. They give life. They don't give death. These words, like if you start studying it, there's times when we we be studying the scriptures and what we are studying is what's happening around the world. It's like it revolves around our life. It, that's how lively it is, that it affects our environment. Now, just to add on to this, right? Because right now, we this is proof that the children of Israel is the church of God. So if you are a descendant of the so-called Blacks, Hispanics, Native Americans, if you are a descendant of those that basically went through slavery and you could trace your lineage to them, then you are of that church. You are of that congregation because that's another word for church, the congregation. So the nation of Israel is the church of God. So when you look at a Baptist church, when you look at a Pentecostal church, a Catholic church, that's, that's the word in, on the building. That's nothing. It's just a building. The people in there are calling themselves Catholics. The people in there are calling themselves Pentecostal. They are not the church of God. So right there eliminates every single location that is based on churchianity because of the fact that they are not to the Most High, his people. If we jump down in this chapter, in the same exact chapter, uh, and we read from verse 47. So we in Acts chapter 7 and verse 47, it says, But Solomon, so this is the king of Israel, who is a descendant of King David. David wanted to build God a temple. 
But the Heavenly Father said, no, you're not going to build it. Your son after you is going to build it. David prepared for his son the materials and even gave him some plans of how to do it. But Solomon was the one that was given the responsibility to build this temple to the Heavenly Father. But Solomon built him a house. So that place, the temple, was considered the house of God. What does that mean? The house of God. It wasn't that God lives there. It wasn't that God needed a place to live. You know, oh man, I'm I'm homeless. Somebody build me a house. <laughs> he didn't need that. But the children of Israel needed a place where they could go to. So instead of having the tabernacle, which was something that we could just pick up and move, because <laughs> the tabernacle that Moses built was tents, basically, they wanted something more permanent and a place that we knew that's the place that the Heavenly Father chose for himself for us to go and give our sacrifices, for us to send up our prayers at, and things like that. Now, that place has been destroyed. The Roman armies in 70 AD, AD meaning after Christ, right, destroyed it, burned it down. It doesn't exist no more. There's no temple for the nation of Israel. But even if it was up, would that be considered the church? The next verse says, Howbeit the Most High, meaning God, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. God does not dwell in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet. That's easy to understand. All these places are saying that Christ is there or that God is there, his presence is there. And just because they claim is a holy place is all a lie. For those of our people that call up and be like, you know, where's your church? Our church is everywhere. It could be outside in the street while we're teaching. It could be in the park. It could be in a public location that we might rent out. Because there's a lot of places that you could rent monthly or whatever. But the point of the matter is, focus on the word. Because that's what's important. Because the church, churchianity period, is a business to keep our people blinded. Those pastors are worrying about keeping you coming to a location where it's tax-free, first of all. Right? So that they could collect more money into their pockets and... They're not really about helping the people of Israel spiritually or physically in any kind of way. If they do help with soup kitchens and stuff like that, they feeding our people uncleanness, what will make them sick. And on top of that, that's not really helping. The Bible talks about what, if you really want to help our people, not only feed them bread, feed them the bread of life. You have our people that go to soup kitchens not realizing that it's not really the church. It's the government giving them the funds or uh, the organizations that donate money to these places thinking that it's doing good for you. But in reality, these places are, to put it plain and simple, the homes and the locations and the meeting place of Satan. So with that, I want to give all praise and honor to the Most High in Christ. And we hope you brothers and sisters understand that this is just one scripture, right? There got to be more scriptures that talk about the nation of Israel being the church. And also, if we had the misconception of what the church is, 
then that means there's also misconceptions of what is supposed to be done there. What is the church supposed to be for? We hope that this class will intrigue you into looking for more scriptures pertaining to this topic. And as you know, we always say, you could contact us, email us, and we are here to answer your questions if it be the most as well. You're here another class pertaining to this topic. Shalom. Need a little help, y'all. Yes, indeed. Need a little help. Say it for Need some help, y'all. Uh -huh. Change the world. What it used to be. Yeah. Uh -huh. Can't do it alone. Can't do it alone. Need some help, yeah. Need some help, yeah. Yeah.